Welcome to BIB Today, the daily podcast from the newsroom of Business in Vancouver. I'm Kirk LaPointe, publisher and editor-in-chief. We have a labor shortage in many sectors of our economy, and one of them is in our skilled trades. The provincial government is endeavoring to expand the opportunities for trades workers by opening more seats for them to start or retrain at post-secondary institutions and other training providers. I want to look at the situation today with Andrew Mercier. He's the NDP MLA for Langley and the parliamentary secretary for the Minister of Skills Training. Good to see you. Good to see you, Kurt. Well, uh, give us a picture, Andrew, about how, about the province's situation and and uh, the gap. How extensive the labor challenges are? Yeah. So, so we just saw the labor market outlook for the next ten years is going to have about just over one million job openings in British Columbia in the next ten years, and we're going to see eighty five thousand job openings in the skilled trades. And what I would say is that the the demand or shortage in the skills the skill trades, I'm calling it a skills crisis, is different in kind than labor attraction and retention issues generally in the economy, which is we don't just need people. We need people that have uh, the value added of you know several years of skills training to do that. You can't just wake up one day and decide to become an electrician. There's a whole no. process and apprenticeship that goes with that. So what we want to do is attract more people into the trades. And we're going to do that partly by raising the prestige of the trades through implementing skilled trade certification, which we can have a discussion about. But um, today we've announced uh, in tandem with that, we're going to be increasing, uh, we're going to be increasing funding for wait lists and for program seats for skilled trades um, with the industry training authority, the ITA, so that for high demand trades, uh, that we have the training seats that we need to get people in and through the system. It sounds to me like you're you're describing a, a bit of a bottleneck that actually there is a demand uh, to 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 get the certification that's necessary, and and it's not necessarily that people are not turned on and and interested. Yeah, I think it's a few different things. So if you look at if you look at apprenticeship. Uh, in the country of Canada, and we, we hit about on average in terms of the demographics for apprenticeship as the rest of Canada, the average age of an apprentice is 28 years old. So what we need to do is we need to get more people into apprenticeships, but we need to get them through as well. You can think of the apprenticeship system as a leaky pipe. You want to get water in, but it's leaking out at different points. Now, over the course of the summer, um, I engaged uh, with industry, with apprentices, uh, with uh, apprentice sponsors, with uncertified workers, with journey people, uh, with labor unions, contractors, about the apprenticeship system um, and, uh, and about uh, making sure there are supports. And we heard loud and clear that, uh, that waitlist and the time it takes um, to get into a training seat can be an issue within specific trades. So, uh, you know, for instance, you might have training seats available up north uh, that are sitting empty, but you might have a wait list down here. And so what we right. want to do is industry is closest and the training providers are the closest to the labor market in this instance. So what we want to do is make sure that we're funding the ITA so that industry can apply for the funds where it needs them. Yeah. Is, is this one of those things that you can, though, easily predict on where the, you know, where the supply and demand issues are going to be? Well, you know, I think that, uh, and that's where it comes to labor market outlook, right? Like we've got a pretty good sense of the demand in the economy. Like in many ways, the economy is booming and that's where these this variety of issues stems from. Uh, you know, there are some people that would say this is a good type of problem to have because it means we have a lot of work. 
but it also means we need to be more focused on productivity to make sure that we're getting as much out of our labor pool as we can. And we know that skilled workers are more productive, more resilient workers. Um, but no, we, we have a lot of work. We have two major industrial projects going on right now, uh, LNG Canada and Site C. You've got the housing market competing for skilled trades. And what you have, and this is the part I think that is really critical, you have a generation that is about to retire. So there are of the 85,000 job openings in the skilled trades over the next 10 years, about 70% of those are from retirements. So the we're about to lose a generation of journey people to bring up the next generation of apprentices. So we need to get people in now. We need to be focused on weightless now. We need to be focused on flexible learning now um, so, that, uh, so that we're set for the next 10 years because we need to take advantage of the opportunity that all of this work that's happening in our economy right now brings. Um, I remember uh, somebody in the construction industry once telling me that really what we needed in our province was about one in six high schoolers graduating somehow into the trades, yeah. uh, into secondary. And, and yet we were, you know, we had about one tenth of that or something like that. How, how big is the gap, do you think? Uh, you know, Melanie Mark used to always say when she was the Minister of Advanced Ed and Skills Training, we need, to get, we need to get away from this notion that I've got two kids, one of them smart and one of them's in the trades. The trades are yeah. a prestigious occupation. It takes a lot of intelligence, analytical skill and ability to be an electrician, to be a pipe fitter, to be a plumber, to be a carpenter. So we need to raise the prestige of the trades. So we released two reports, one on the Indigenous consultation we did, one on the general consultation that I, that I just spoke about. Um, over the summer. And one of the things we found is that 75% of parents that we asked said they were more likely to encourage their kids to get into the trades if a red seal is a requirement of that trade. Um, so oh. we anticipate, and, and you know, like I said, this, this wait list uh, funding and, and support funding is aimed at the trades that we're going to make red seal a requirement for. Um, you know, we anticipate conservatively that it'll boost apprenticeship registration by about 7% annually. And that comes out of our business case uh, where we contracted PricewaterhouseCooper to do some labor market data for us. So it's, it's part of a strategy to increase participation in trades training. Uh, it's not a silver bullet. It's not the only thing that we need to do, but it's an important thing. Yeah, obviously during the pandemic, uh, we've heard people say, oh, you know, we need, we need more people in healthcare and yet, we all know that you can't just snap your fingers and this afternoon have a bunch of new doctors and nurses and, and people on the scene. How, how long are we talking about here in terms of a, a process where you can, um, you can put out some, uh, some new economic benefits to this and pour a bit of money into, uh, in, into skills training and seats and all that before we really see out the other side, um, the arrival of a lot of new uh, certified tradespeople? Well, I think, you know, the, the, it depends on the trade. So I would say that first with a caveat that the training is different for every trade. But if you looked at a, an apprenticeship like electrical and a four-year apprenticeship that you're, you're uh, a journey person after you've completed that. So we want to make sure that, um, that, you know, you're not waiting around for a trades training class in between level three and four, that there's one available for you, which is part of the, part of the rationale for the funding. But right now, um, we can see the benefit 
fairly quickly because we have so much work going on and such a demand that if you are looking to get into the trades, you know, I characterize it at the beginning as a skills crisis, which if you're looking to hire journey people right now, you know, try getting a plumber, like you understand uh, how tight the market is. But if you are looking, yeah. if you're a young person looking to get into the trades, this is a perfect opportunity to get into a rewarding career. Uh, that's also going to make you a whole ton of money. Um, they're well-paying, family-supporting jobs uh, that you can yeah. buy a house with. Stable long-term jobs that also, in a lot of ways, offer you an opportunity once you've done your apprenticeship, maybe some early participation at a company also offers you the opportunity to run your own business, right? It's one of the and few. You go look at any uh, any fabrication shop, any contractor, those are all tradespeople that have gotten into business because the skills they need to do estimates and the, the skills they need and the project management skills they need uh, lend themselves to that. And it's an entrepreneurial group of people. Sure. Um, well, and, and obviously goes, uh, you know, they schedule, you know, half days and quarter days and full days and full weeks and that kind of thing. It's, it, you know, it, it really can be quite a quite a serious amount of productivity. So your announcement today is for a $5 million boost uh, to all of this. Um, I guess it comes a little later on this spring when you when there's some uh, legislation to enact right. that or whatever. But, um, how, how soon do these funds really start to have any effect? Uh, we're we're working to initiate funding applications now for training providers, uh, and I would encourage I would encourage any of uh, you know your your listeners or viewers to reach out to the industry training authority uh, if they're training providers. Reach out to the industry training authority, um, and the funds can also be used for refresher courses or upgrades for people looking to get back into the trades or looking to to refresh their skills. Uh, that'll be there as well. Do you have an estimate of what it means in terms of new seats? So the, like I said, every trades training seat is different. Um, and mm -hmm. so, so it really depends on how it's accessed uh, by industry and by training providers in terms of, uh, in terms of how, like I can give you an example, like an electrical, uh, a year one electrical cohort with 16 people um, that's 10 weeks long, 16 students would have about $30,000 per intake would be about the ITA level of level of uh, subsidy. So it really depends on who's applying and what they're using it for, but it will be significant. And I should say, in addition to the $5 million, something that's as significant, um, I think, is the addition of five new apprentice advisors at the Industry mm -hmm. Training Authority. And those are, we currently have 20 located throughout British Columbia. So this will be three, three new ones in the lower mainland, uh, one of the Southern interior, one of the Northern interior. Um, and these are folks who are there to help apprentice sponsors and help apprentices navigate the system. One of the things that I definitely heard loud and clear in my engagement this summer was that a lot of uh, apprentice sponsors and a lot of apprentices don't know about the supports that are out there now that they could have access to to help alleviate costs um, and, and all kinds of things. Um, so you know, that's one way we can help help uh, employers and help uh, apprentices get that information, get the money in their pockets. In terms of the uh, immediacy of how the funds can be applied and, uh, and how things can be opened up, is there a, a region of the province that is uh, most desperate you know, that's an interesting question because um, there are pretty, and you know, as you would know, and your listeners would know, there's pretty clear regional uh, 
diversities in British Columbia. Like you have major industrial projects in the north, but that are also drawing labor supply from the southern part of the province. So it's, it, I think it would be, you know, cavalier of me to to point one over the other. But what I would say, and this is where, like, I'm a big believer in the principle of subsidiarity, try to locate the decision-making as closest to the people affected as possible. That's where leading sure. into the ITA so that it's driven by applications because all the training providers, private or public, um, you know, they know what their wait lists are. They know where their demand is uh, and they'll be able to come and attest to that and apply for the funds. So that will make sure that it goes to where it's needed. So, so the announcement today, uh, what it confers a little bit more flexibility in the system to have the ITA make some of these choices. Yeah. And flexibility and common sense, I think, is the name of the game uh, for skills training going forward. Yeah. Now, I want to go back as, as we uh, as we end our conversation, Andrew, to really talk about the larger picture here, which is the encouragement that needs to be done there. And, and you know, you, you've talked a couple of times about about how in some cases uh, the trades are not uh, fully respected. Uh, they need the red seal and so on. Um, what, what do you think the clues are here uh, in terms of what solutions need to be provided in the education system so that at a pretty early stage where someone really sees or senses perhaps the value of a career in this, yet doesn't feel necessarily encouraged to do anything but, you know, a, a liberal arts program at university or, you know, a, a different type of um, scholastic yeah. pursuit. It, part of it, and, you know, so much of it, like anything, comes down to mentors and role models in your life. And when you look at schools, making sure that there are folks there with those backgrounds is incredibly important. I mean, I'll give you a practical example because I, you know, I live and was raised in Langley. Um, the school district number 35 has, uh, you know, a great young guy running the career department that is very keen to get contractors, to get trades trainers into schools, to do practical demonstrations, to show young people. And I've been to some of them where you see as soon as it's, hey, wire this light bulb and do it as a team, you just see how excited these kids get to do it. So it's affording them those opportunities so they know that that, because you say trades, to a young person with you know no family uh, in the trades and no exposure they don't know what that means so providing and affording those opportunities so that they they see what they can do and they see the value of it um, is really important and i just i also think and i say this as i consider myself to be a young person i'm 36. Uh, i think uh, telling uh, telling young people as well about the uh, you know economic possibilities, the wages, uh, the career options. Like you said, you can open your own business. Uh, there's a lot of things you can do with a trades ticket um, that, uh, that will improve your life. It's, it's important. And at an early career stage, these are uh, some of the better entry level, if you want to call it that, uh, earn career. Yeah, it's yeah. earned while you it's earned while you learn, right? You spend eighty percent of your time on the job, twenty percent of your time in class, and to be frank, it's the most uh, financially supported um, education you could have in this country um, mm -hmm. in terms yeah. of uh, in terms of coming out without debt. So uh, it sounds too as if there is a little bit of a race against the clock here around. Uh, around the retirement of a particular generation that had probably uh, disproportionately more tradespeople in it uh, than what we're seeing emerge. Is, is, you know, how, how's it gonna be kept up to? 
Well, I think what we need to do is we need to do a few different things. And, and like I said, there's no one silver bullet. We need to be seized of it across the board. Uh, and industry definitely is, and government is. Uh, so one part of it is raising the prestige of the trades. That is very real and encouraging young people to get into it, encouraging their parents to encourage them to get into it. Mm -hmm. But the other side of it is completion, right? And you see this across Canada, completion rates hover around just below 50% across the country. Um, and so we know there's a, a link between support and completion. Uh, I heard that through all the roundtables I did over the summer. We've seen that with the addition of apprentice advisors in the past, which is we're adding new apprentice advisors to make sure that they're proactively reaching out to sponsors and to apprentices that they have the support they need to get through, but also to make sure they have timely access uh, to their block training, to their uh, to their courses, so they're not sitting around waiting to complete third year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot of the times wages can be linked to that, right? Right, exactly. Well, and if if your uh, income drops all of a sudden, you're waiting. Um, la last question: Is there sufficient um, labor mobility in our country for the trades? Well, that's the whole purpose of harmonization with the Red Seal and the interprovincial exams is to allow labor mobility. What I would say to you is that the uh, economic outlook of British Columbia um, and what I mentioned in terms of trades and industrial projects is something you're seeing in Ontario and Quebec too. So whereas in the past, we would see uh, a lot of workers come from, say, the Maritimes. Uh, yep. the Red Seal's over and work on projects here and go back. Those workers are stopping in Toronto right now because of the amount of civil projects going on, um, you know, that the Ford government and the federal government is funding and the same with Quebec, right? You're, you're, I've lived in the Maritimes, people wanna be close to home when they're over there. Uh, and uh, so what we need to do um, is really make sure that we're focusing on training up British Columbians. Uh, you know, interprovincial mobility, uh, it's real, it's there. Um, and, you know, everything uh, like skilled trade certification has to comply with TILMA the labor mobility agreement uh, as between the provinces. And that's why we call it a journey person. Uh, but we really need to focus on, on our own backyard and training people up here. Well, great conversation, Andrew. I really thank you for your time today. It's been very insightful and uh, hopeful as well. Thanks for your help. Thanks for having me anytime, Kirk. Andrew Mercier is the NDP LML, MLA for Langley. He's a parliamentary secretary for the Minister of Skills Training. I'm Kirk LaPointe, publisher and editor-in-chief at BIB. Thanks a lot for watching.